Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for a new book, the book of Nahum. I'm going to read the heading about uh, this book, and uh, then we'll get into chapter 1. Nahum was a contemporary of Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah. He prophesied in Judah sometime between 663 and 612 B.C. His entire recorded message prophesies the destruction of Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. This prophecy also serves as a type of the destruction of the wicked in the last days. Nineveh had received a warning to repent through the prophet Jonah more than a hundred years earlier. The people of Nineveh at that time repented and were spared. However, by the time of Nahum's ministry, Nineveh had become wicked again and this time would not escape the Lord's judgment. The Assyrians conquered the, the northern kingdom of Israel about 721 B.C. and carried its inhabitants into captivity. From that time on, the Assyrians were a constant threat to the survival of Judah as well. Nahum's prophecy of the destruction of Assyria, written in beautiful Hebrew poetry, must have been a source of hope and comfort to the people of Judah. Nahum's name means consoler. His promise was that Jehovah would one day bring comfort to Israel. That's out of the teacher's manual. The date of Nahum's activities has to be deducted from certain statements made in the prophecy. In chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, reference is made to the destruction of the city of Noamon, the Egyptian Thebes, as an already the way of the Sphinx at Ancient Thebes book accomplished the fact. We know Thebes was captured by... Assurbanipal, the Assyrian, in 663 B.C. Therefore, Nahum's prophecy must have been written after that date. And since Nahum's prophecy deals with the coming destruction of Nineveh, we know it must have been written before 612 B.C., the date of her downfall. We may date Nahum's ministry with some degree of probability, therefore, between the years 663 B.C. and 612 B.C. That was by Sidney Sperry. Uh, The heading reads, Nahum speaks of the burning of the earth at the second coming and of the mercy and power of the Lord. The burden, verse 1, the burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. Nahum was a poet. When he saw in vision the end of Assyria, he poured forth in unrestrained and picturesque Hebrew the relief felt by his people. In many ways, his poetry vents the wrath, sighs the relief, and bespeaks the hope of all who have been oppressed when the oppressions at last have ceased and the oppressor is no more. But Nahum was also a prophet, and he saw in Assyria's downfall an example of the hand of God in justice, reaping with a vengeance all the enemies of good, while he preserves in mercy and with patience those who try to do good. Envisioning the overthrow of his cruel and mighty empire, whose whose kings in their own records boast of the captives they have maimed, the realms they have subjected, and the treasures they have confiscated, Nahum tells how the doom of the mighty and the wicked is decreed, deserved, and done. His book begins with an acrostic, with one stof or stanza for each of the first 15 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, with two alter- alterations of the sequence. The first seven verses emphasize God's, which is verses 2 to 5 in English, emphasize God's power over nature and over his enemies. But the third verse, which is the first half of verse 3, interrupts to tell of his goodness and justice. 
The second seven strophes or stanzas emphasize his power over all enemies and evils, but again tells by contrast in the third of the series, verse 7, of his goodness and his mercy to those who take refuge in him. The fifteenth and final strophe or stanza, verse 10, provides a summary and a transition to the next subject to be treated, the castigation of Nineveh. Assyria and Judah are alternately alternately addressed in the next poem, verses 11 to 14. The one is to be punished and the other to be redeemed. It concludes with a hopeful verse speaking of a peaceful age in terms that seem to herald the messianic age when all oppressors shall have ceased. And that was by Rasmussen. Verse 2, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation, and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. But with an overturning flood he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do ye imagine against the Lord? Will he make an utter end? Affliction shall not rise up the second time. For while they they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured a stubble fully dry. There is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, though they be quiet, and likewise many, yet thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. Though I, I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. For now will I break his yoke from off thee, and will, and will burst thy bonds in sunder. Still prophesying of Judah's future, Nahum spoke of one very wicked counselor whose yoke upon Judah probably a large yearly tribute, was to be broken. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, had invaded Judah with with a force of nearly 200,000 men. The prophecy foretold that Sennacherib would die shortly and the house of his gods would become his grave. While he was worshiping in the temple dedicated to the god Nisroch, Sennacherib's two sons murdered their father as Nahum had prophesied. Verse 14, And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee that no more of thy name be sown, out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. Behold, are upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feasts, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. And again, a lot of that has to do with both the, the destruction of Assyria at the time, but also has references to the second coming. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.